a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Counseling on Demand. I am your host, Fred Riley. Hey, thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. So let's go ahead and get started on on today's topic. Today we're talking about change. And uh, I think all of us are familiar with change and how change is hard. We, We have a tendency to kind of withdraw, kind of pull back and feel nervous with change. I know as there's been changes in, in uh, some of the work I've done, it's uh, really caused me to feel nervous, have some sleepless nights and so forth. And so, you know, that's a, that's a natural reaction. Uh, change is hard for us. It's, it's something that's part of uh, our makeup. It's, it's uh, something that we, um, our brain is uh, built to be uh, alerted on and, and evaluate. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on in, in the podcast. But let's go ahead and talk about uh, change in general. Uh, so we have the idea that change is is difficult. It, we like uh, to have the tendency to be able to predict the ability to know. And as you think about your relationships, you think about just about anything, when you don't know something, you feel very ill at ease. But when you do know something, you have a knowledge base of something, it's a little bit easier to trust, right? It's easier to trust that your spouse or your child or whoever is going to act in a certain way. And when that changes, when something doesn't fit our knowledge base, so we have a new boss or we're out on a, we're, we're dating again for the first time after a divorce, those changes can be really nerve wracking. So change is something that doesn't just uh, concern us as human beings. It's something that's an innate concern for all um, living uh, animals, all all things that uh, that require survival, basically. So you know, with the wildlife, I I love fly fishing, and and uh, one of the things that uh, I know with change is that that the awareness rather of change helps me become a better fly fisherman because I know where to look. Uh, for trout. Trout, um, like us, they love structure. They hate change. So as I'm out on the river, I'm looking at the structure of the river. I'm looking at where there's structure, where there's not structure. And that helps me kind of zero in on where I can find trout. And and that gives me an opportunity to feel like I have an upper hand, that I'm not wasting my time, you know, out on parts of the river where, where a trout wouldn't be. And so they'll navigate towards structure. They don't like change. As a matter of fact, you know, there's a study. Yep, I'm going to talk about a study on fish. There's a study on fish that was done um, at Brown University, I believe. And what they demonstrated is that fish don't like change. In fact, if, if they get spooked out of their holding spot, their structure, 
then within 20 minutes, they come right back to that structure. They don't like to be in other parts of the river. As a matter of fact, they like structure so much that they'll order themselves according to dominant fish and so forth. That's just a good, comfortable feeling. Well, we're the same. We like consistency. We like predictability. And we like structure. We like to know when something's going to happen within a certain amount of time, a certain reasonable amount of time. Now, some individuals, especially individuals that I see, uh, are going to have a tendency to really struggle with change. They really rely on consistency. And when that consistency isn't there, then the symptoms of anxiety start to arise. And that's what I wanted to talk to you guys about today is the anxiety, the way the brain responds to change. Your brain essentially is doing what it's it's built to do. There are certain systems in our body that some are voluntary, some are involuntary. And what what the change does is it kicks in these automatic responses that we might see as uh, overreacting. We, we might feel like, um, I shouldn't be nervous about this. I shouldn't worry so much. And what I want to talk about today is, you know what, your brain is built to worry. This is an automatic response. It's in uh, the system we call the sympathetic nervous system. And what it does is it prepares you to be alert. It prepares you to be ready because you're in new territory. You're not sure what this change means. Now, because of that change, because the sympathetic nervous system's all fired up, like I said, you're going to be more alert. You're going to pay more attention to what the new boss's behavior means or what it means if, if your date doesn't show up. You know, all those changes are five senses peak. They, they turn way up to assess the, for changes, for comparisons, what we call threat memories. Threat memories are contained in that sympathetic nervous system, the amygdala, the hippocampus, the cingulate cortex. These are parts of the brain that look for risk. And when that sympathetic nervous system kicks in, that's when our brain says, okay, it's it's uh, triggered by the, the change, right? And so we're not necessarily going to feel comfortable. The result is increased heart rate, the uh, sweaty palms, sleepless nights, skepticism, those types of things. So one of the things I want you to think about is as change comes, maybe you're moving to a different state, you're trying a new job, you're changing careers, you have a newborn. One of the things I want you to think about is that your response, that nervousness, that anxiety, it's not a problem, it's evidence. It's evidence that your experience is taking you into a new place. It's evidence that your sympathetic nervous system is working, okay? The, the way we think about it is, if you, if you think about your stomach and the way it produces acid, would you get upset with yourself? Would you feel responsible if your stomach was producing too much acid? The idea is you're not even aware of it. You wouldn't get upset and say hey, to your spouse or your friend, I'm sorry I'm producing so much stomach acid. That is an automatic response. Well, the sympathetic nervous system, we'll go into that in more detail in another podcast, that is similar. It's kicking in, it's doing its job, it's preparing you for change to the extent that you the change is uh, significant to be ready as if your survival depends on it. So rather than looking at it as I don't handle change very well, how many times have you 
said that or somebody said, you heard somebody say, I don't handle change very well. Well, we're going to look at it differently. Actually, you do handle change well. You're handling it through an automatic system that kicks in. What we're going to do is we're going to talk today a little bit more about what to do to help turn that sympathetic nervous system down, help think about change in a way where you're not in such a panic. Welcome back to Counseling on Demand. I am your host, Fred Riley. So we've been talking about change and looking at change, or rather our response, no, our reaction. We'll talk about response in a minute. We've been talking about our reaction to change, and we've been looking at that. I've been inviting you to look at that as a sign that a system is kicking into gear that your brain and body are designed to do. Um, if If we weren't shying away, or if we weren't nervous, if we, if we weren't skeptical, if that system didn't kick in, then we would be subject to all kinds of changes. We'd have really low trust. We'd be very concerned about outcomes all the time. And as a matter of fact, the individuals that I see in my office, they have been exposed to so much change that at any given moment, they're stuck in that sympathetic nervous system. They're stuck in those areas of the brain, the cingulate cortex, and so forth, their mind is stuck there, and they're having trouble getting out. And that's where we, you know, there's one thing to be ready for change, and we've been talking about that as good, a good sign that your body's doing what's supposed to your brain. But there's a time where our response to change, we need to figure out how to step in and make some adjustments so that you don't feel, or you don't live, you don't exist. You don't view those things from this fight or flight place where you can't sleep at night, you're you're throwing up, that type of thing. By the way, one thing I wanted to mention is that when you, there are a lot of signs when that autonomic system, that sympathetic nervous system kicks in. And one of those signs, I, I worked with a client today where she said, I don't know what's wrong with me, but for the last two years, I feel like I'm throwing up. I need to throw up rather every day. Well, I, what did I talk to her about? I talked to her about the sympathetic nervous system. The abdominal area, and there's another system there, and I can't recall what, it's, uh, what it is, but in the abdominal area, that is a, a huge center, an automatic response to help warn us that something is off. So neurochemicals adjust and change, and that can cause us to feel nauseous. It can cause us to feel ill at ease, off balance, and so forth. And so that is one other thing I want to talk about is, you know what, these symptoms aren't a matter of weakness. They're not a matter of not being able to handle your new job or your new function or your new situation. They're evidence that the brain, the automatic system, is learned that it's in new territory. So when you are nervous, when you're anxious, when there's change, have you ever noticed that People try to reassure you. Have you ever noticed that they try to say, hey, listen, you'll be okay. You know, this is good for you. Um, you know, the universe has decided it's time for a change. You're capable. And if you pay attention to that feedback from people, when the autonomic or the sympathetic nervous system is fired up, think about that for a minute. 
that feedback, is it believable? And the answer is probably no. The answer is probably this person doesn't know what I'm going through. They're just trying to make me feel better. And the reason why we have trouble hearing people reassure us is because when we're in that sympathetic nervous system, that is in the midbrain. That's in the survival part of our brain. And we need to figure out how to change gears to the prefrontal cortex. So even in therapy sometimes, and I talked to a gal about this a couple weeks ago, even in therapy, we'll get assignments to reassure ourselves, to self-soothe. But what we're missing is that we're trying to have a client, maybe even you, we're instructing them to use their prefrontal cortex to have thoughts of reassurance, um, positive affirmations, that type of thing. We're, we're asking them to do that when that system's not even fired up. As a matter of fact, when the sympathetic nervous system's fired up, thinking is a threat. Thinking uh, it'll be okay is a threat to that safety and that security because we don't want to make the mistake that of thinking, you know what, that train won't hurt so bad when it hits me. So what I want to talk about a little bit more is a couple ways to help move the brain into that prefrontal place where maybe affirmations, where people might be able to reassure you. Now, as I talk about this, this here's just a couple ideas, and they might seem overly simple. There's a couple that, I, uh, that I'll share with you today that I didn't, I, I felt like it was just pretty typical therapy, and I, I shied away from it. But we're going to use the way the brain works to help invite our brain to get back into that prefrontal cortex place. So you've heard some of these things before. You've been told that if you're anxious or whatever, breathe. Well, why breathe? You know, as a therapist, I try to be innovative. I try to do new things. And and, uh, I'm this therapist that's not going to tell people to breathe. That's dumb. We've been telling people to do that for years. Well, this is what's going on with the brain. When there's change and that sympathetic nervous system kicks in, there's a, a kind of like a landline between your brain, your midbrain rather, and this landline called the vagus nerve, it actually travels to your heart, your lungs, your stomach, and it sends this neurochemical uh, set of directions to panic, to bl- uh, pump adrenaline faster, to hold your breath so that no one, w- you know, the change in the environment, you won't be detected, all these kind of primitive things. Well, breathing is a way, it's kind of a early stage of telling the body and the brain that we're going to move from involuntary reaction to purposeful response. So the idea is there's that sympathetic nervous system kicking in, the vagus nerve fires up, we're reacting, that system is doing its job. And what we're going to try to do before we look at positive affirmations or reassuring ourselves, is we're going to do some breathing. There's all kinds of techniques. I'm going to to tell you what technique to use because I think they're all effective. But breathing is a purposeful behavior that sends a message back up that vagus, back up through the vagus nerve to the midbrain that says, you know what? We don't need to run that sympathetic nervous system anymore. We're doing okay. We're in charge. Once that signal is sent back and it takes practice, then we give permission for the midbrain to 
switch gears to the prefrontal cortex. Then we can start looking at things with reason, logic, past experiences as evidence that we'll be okay with change. Another one of those uh, kind of typical recommendations, but through the work I've done, definitely works, is walking. Walking, again, that is something that I didn't understand. I thought it was overblown. I thought it was overused. But walking is a uh, bidirectional, uh, rather than a unilateral, it's a bilateral brain exercise that re- when we do this bilateral stimulation is what walking is, it actually requires the brain to come out of the sympathetic nervous system because that operation is is uh, more mechanical, it's more pur- purposeful. So I know that this sounds pretty technical, but what I wanted to, to, to talk about today was doing a couple things different, breathing, Um, and walking as mechanisms to reverse the body's natural reaction. So when we look at change, my goal today is to talk about change, our natural reaction, and just a little bit about how we can get into a response through breathing, walking, and some other exercises. I am Fred Riley. Thank you for tuning into today's podcast. You can find me online at gettingbacktolife.com. That's getting back the number two, life.com.